Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz pod. Matt, Jordan and Tom here to discuss Chris Wilder's first win as a Watford boss. A resounding 3-0 triumph over a Troy Deeney-less Birmingham City side. Tom was there. Jordan was watching. Uh, I was there as well. Uh, how, how are you all doing, guys? Doing very well. Um, yeah, I'm glad to uh, glad you're back again. It feels like we're doing a podcast just every other day right now. So uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, good to be back in the uh, in the old podcast seat. And we've still got the same manager, so that's something. <laughs> that is something. Yeah, seven days doing well. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I suppose it's hard to to ask this one, but was you expecting the uh, the the three nil victory, Tom? No, definitely not. I was expecting a Troy Deeney inspired defeat um, until someone messaged me ahead of the time and said, "You know, he's injured." So that was good. Or not good, but you know what I mean. Uh, helped at least to avoid a, a rubbing of the of salt into the wounds. But actually, no, wasn't expecting it, and was very, 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 very pleasantly surprised. At least by the the first forty five minutes, and we'll obviously get into it more. But there, you have to balance that out against the second half, or at least the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, um, which was kind of the Watford of a week ago, or most of the season, I suppose. But no, very happy, very surprised, and uh, renewed optimism until they, or at least until they next prove me um, to be a fool. He was there, wasn't he, Danny? I saw him uh, wave to a few people, and he got a little chant from the uh, from the crowd as well. Um, it was nice that he got to see us beat his team, though. I, I like that. Yeah, he walked along the front of the rookery, didn't he? Sort of five mm. or ten minutes from the end, and he got a really good reception, as he, rightly so, as he should have. Um, as I said on the, the pod post, uh, QPR I think you know with everything that's happened it makes you pine for players like him um, more than ever that you know always kind of give everything leave everything on the field and, and so on and so forth but no it was nice for him to get a, a reception and a warm welcome back because whether it was the right timing or not he was kind of bundled out the back door a little bit wasn't he which is not particularly fair on someone who gave so much for this club so yeah no, a nice moment to cap the night. Jordan, three changes from Wilder's first starting 11. Uh, two of those were 
enforced with Hamza Chowdhury's suspension and Ismaili Assar's injury. Mario Gaspar joined those two on the sidelines. Um, so it was Jeremy Ngakia coming in, Ismail Kone and Leandro Bakuna. Um, what did you make of the starting eleven? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it was interesting. I think we discussed in, in the previous podcast, you know, that there are going to be some changes, but there might be some some benefits in certain positions to the changes in some ways. You know, you might not take Hamza Chowdhury out of the team generally because he, you know, he has performed reasonably consistently for us and he's added something. But I think last night, I thought I think we got to see kind of some of the tactical benefit of not having him in that team just in the way we functioned. Uh, and you could even argue, maybe we didn't predict it as much, but I, I mean, seeing that we actually played well and we, we looked kind of somewhat cohesive, you could even make the same argument for Saar. You know, it's, it's kind of harder to think uh, where Saar comes back into now. But yeah, I mean, the change on the surface for it, whilst informed, you know, they, they still were they still were good changes in the end. And I thought there was some some solid performances from uh, from the guys that came in. I was a little bit surprised that, um, well, actually with both of the Ngakia and Bakuna uh, changes to the lineup. I wasn't expecting that. Did you uh, did you think that they they had a positive impact? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, firstly, I think that's Bakuna's best game he's had for us. Um, he was he was pretty good. I thought he showed a little bit of uh, a little bit of finesse and control, and he was quite a, a well rounded kind of got around the pitch midfielder, which is really good to see. Obviously, um, so that was that was pleasing. And then um, I've now lost my oh yeah, and also the other change in in terms of position. I thought that. You know, we, we made the adaptation in, in the forward areas too and we, we put Jao Pedro a little further forward, which gave us the, the opportunity to, you know, adapt and, and do something a little bit different, which was positive. And then on the right-hand side, I think Ngakia, I've seen quite a few mixed performances. I thought he played okay. I didn't think he was great, but I saw some people kind of tout him for man of the match and thought he was really good. He had a couple of good moments. Obviously, he had a shot where he hit, hit the post and he had some, some decent spells. But, you know, I think that's still a, a position that we could see improvement for in you know even with players returning um but that's just kind of my my gut feeling on that one what were your thoughts tom on the on those two in particular well prior to kick off i thought bloody hell ngakia is probably about as far removed from a wing back and and certainly the type that chris wilder team seems to have employed in the past as you could possibly get mm. uh, which you know circumstances dictated that obviously because Ferreira's injured and Gaspar probably isn't the answer either. Uh, and Bakuna, again, circumstances it take it because, you know, he's probably the closest thing we've got to Hamza Chowdhury and someone that's normally there to win the ball back. Um, must have, I said on the previous pod, didn't I? Oh, blimey, suddenly with Chowdhury out, we're kind of a bit short for a three-man central midfield. Um, but he came in and he did really well. And I agree with Jordan. It was his best, his best game in, in Watford colours. Um, I don't know if I could even place my finger on one thing and say, oh, he did that really well over the, over the game. I just think he was generally solid, you know, made some kind of timely interceptions or got his toe in or got a block in or whatever. I looked it up this evening, actually. Only misplaced or didn't complete three passes on the night. Um, which you know, mm. pretty good. Obviously, fairly safe passing. But I think, as with everybody, and we'll definitely touch on this, I'm sure. But you know, moved the ball quite sharply and incisively. You know, we weren't ponderous, kind of taking unnecessary touches and inviting pressure. We were zipping it about nicely, and, and he was, he was part of that. So I thought he was really good. And Gakia, I probably went a little bit overboard in my praise on Twitter on our Twitter during the match <laughs> when I likened him to. 
uh, Cafu, Carlos Alberto, Alexander <laughs> Arnold, and somebody else. I somehow missed Danny Alves out of that collection. Just a bit overboard. Right backs. I think that was because my kind of starting position on him is fairly low, especially in an attacking sense. But I thought he did a really decent job. He again was another one, you know, moved the ball really sharp. Lots of nice little link ups with Kone, Pedro, others, Keenan Davis when they he came over to that side as well. You know one twos moving into space making an option and I think as a few people have pointed out he was really kind of making a concerted effort to drive inside and and, and kind of give uh, another option in midfield and kind of um, almost do I guess what kind of the Pep Guardiola fullbacks do don't they where they kind of drive inside and flood the midfield there so I thought he was really good and then obviously nearly nearly capped it with the goal um, having made such a positive impression in the first half I probably didn't scrutinise him very much in the second half so he may have had a stinker from that point I'm not sure um, but old football journalism habits die hard and I scored him at half time in the player ratings so uh, yeah I'm, I'm quite happy to be proven wrong on that um, what do you think of the the changes that, that those players kind of made on the on, on the kind of the tactical approach to to the game? I th- just kind of to go over real quick, there's, there's a couple that were kind of more of note. And I think with the introdu- the introduction of Ngakia, I think you know we talked about that somewhat lacking ability to to drive forward, not the traditional wilder right wing back, but it was interesting to see kind of how we compensated for that a little bit and gave him a little less responsibility in the forward areas by having that. Uh, dependency on Kone kind of drifting out to the right hand side. We saw it in in the build up for one of the goals, and you know quite a few times in uh, during the game he was drifting into that wider position to pick up the ball and uh, and try and drive forward from there. It kind of made it hard for the Birmingham defenders to to pick him up and to try to track runners. And I thought it gave us a nice little bit of variety in in the attacking position. There's, there's another kind of tactical tw- uh, a couple of tactical kind of changes we made, but just that being the first one, did that come across for you guys on the pitch and? And you see that from where you were sitting too. I guess you get to see a little bit more of the the off-the-ball stuff with the cameras maybe not pointed at. I certainly thought Kone, what you said there about drifting out, yeah, he, he to the right-hand side, he did a, a, a lot of that. But I must admit, my uh, eyesight and being as at the back of the rookery, I didn't take in anything particularly uh, perceptive to, to add to what you've said there. Kone was, was probably... Uh... My man of the match, I think he was fantastic. Probably his best game so far for us. Uh, and there's been talk from various outlets, including some other pods, that the possibility of uh, Ismail Assar's absence might have improved Kone's game. I, I'm interested to know what your thoughts on that would be, Jordan. Well, I think in in the sense, I think there's a couple of things. I think Chowdhury's absence and Ansar's ab- absence in some ways, you know, firstly on, on Chowdhury being away, he then opened that spot up and then losers kind of took that deepest position in midfield, which I want to get to in a second too. Um, but then also, you know, Ismail Assar being out with Kone playing that central role, I think it, it did give him the ability to get wide into space and he, he carries the ball really well. And that's something we identified and we talked about Kone uh, initially when he signed is he, he carries the ball really well. He hasn't had much of an opportunity to do that, which kind of goes on to the next point. I think having three in midfield made us look much more balanced and stable. It gave us variety in possession. And I think when we, when we look at how Kone's had to play previously, being kind of a two-man midfield but with Jao Pedro supporting in front, they have to be a lot more disciplined. They don't have the, the license to carry and to kind of you know, be as incisive at times. And I think it was hampering Kone and, and Loser too when he'd been in there as well. So I think Saar being out just kind of 
opened the possibility to to change approach and he, yeah he looked much better for it. it's his best game and you know there's also elements of he's had more time to climatize he's got more kind of minutes in him and now he's he's playing well but I, I do definitely think that those that are saying you know the, the players that came out and, and gave him that different role you know improved his game and I, I completely agree I think he was uh, I think it was really good last night yeah I think um, I tweeted this afterwards whilst I was in the in the queue at, at Gay Car Park which is where I do a lot of my best thinking um, after, <laughs> after football game after Watford game well, moved very quickly last night which was indicative of how quiet it was there generally anyway um, yes I think Ismail Sarr gets a lot of criticism that's unfair and I really wanted to kind of frame what I was saying with that and saying you know this is not saying he should never get in the team again it's not saying he's a root of our problems it's not saying he's a bad player or anything like that clearly not all those things are true all of the time but I think the kind of winger he is and certainly the way he seems to like to play you wouldn't have necessarily got that same directness and drive down that side I think we all if we were to close our eyes could picture in our mind's eye that kind of image of him getting the ball and sort of running his rolling his foot over it and maybe taking a step forward and then dropping his hips and going or dropping it dropping his hips dropping his shoulders and going and that's fine he is surprisingly good at that for a, a tall bloke and it kind of goes against all kind of preconceptions of how you move quickly to go from a standing start but I think he would have probably been detrimental in that respect and, and it's a similar thing for Chowdhury we know what he's brilliant at which is winning the ball back getting in the way breaking up play being a shit house if he needs to etc but we also know by the same token he's not the quickest at moving the ball he's not the most progressive at moving the ball and last night it's no coincidence that we saw probably the most incisive um, kind of snappy, driven kind of performance in that area that we've seen in a long, long, long time. So it's not a criticism of those guys. It's kind of horses for courses. I'm sure they will both get back in before the season's end because we, you know, we have got some tough games. And I think Chowdhury to come in, he'll be back for Luton, won't he? That'll be his first game back and going away to a side that's doing well and you know that derby atmosphere and everything. I thought he'd be perfect to go back in for that one and I'm sure we'll see Saar as well but it, it is going to be um, you know it is, it's going to be a bit more of a battle than maybe he's he's been used to equally I think it was quite a good time for him to have an injury if you know what I mean and, and, and drop out against a, a weaker opponent at home after another display where people were you know un, underwhelmed so maybe just take him out the firing line a little bit it's not, not a bad in an enforced way is not a bad thing either yeah, I think also too, you know, I think there's a couple a couple of factors that kind of went into that performance last night. I think on the one hand, you have got the level of of comprehension from the players. There's clearly have had more time to work on, still not very much at all, but they they looked like they knew what they were doing a little bit more. There was more control. Um, you could see there was more comfort in, in from a positional sense. They weren't all over the place. They knew where players were around them when they received possession they weren't having to be as reactive and kind of um, you know improvising as much as we saw you know a, a lot under Bilic there was definitely a pattern that was was emerging and that was really positive to see uh, I think the change the change to the three was a big one I think we talk about Chowdhury there when he comes back for me I think he has to go into one of the more advanced midfield positions because that switch to have Luzo as a deepest player was a, was a huge aspect of of that element of control and, and kind of that level of performance we saw in the first half last night. You know, where we, we you... talk about the right-hand side where... Go on. 
sorry, I was just going to say on that point on loser, where would you deploy him, or does it change on a kind of game by game basis? Because I have always had in my mind that he's not perhaps the most athletically gifted, and therefore you do want him deeper in midfield. You know, you appreciate he's not a kind yeah. of someone who breaks up play in the same way that Chowdhury does, but he can, you know, his vision and his passing range benefit playing there. What, what, what yeah, no, I reckon? agree. I think, no, I completely agree with that. I think you look at what Chris Wildwood, Chris Wildwood, Chris Wilder. <laughs> I'll get on to Chris Wildwood. Just gave away a little bit of uh, my next sentence, but uh-huh. how Chris Wilder operates with that that system, you know, it's all about it's all about kind of creating that that possession through the midfield, but from the, the deepest point in the midfield. You look, Oliver Norwood, obviously at Sheffield United, was the guy that did it there. A big long range of passing, you know, technical player. You wouldn't necessarily the most highest quality defensive player, but it's it's the use of the ball. You want to get on the ball as much as possible. And when you have that back three that pushes up like like they do, he had a little bit more versatility at Sheffield United because I think both the outs the centre-backs there are a little bit more accustomed. Well, they grew in time to be more accustomed to getting both wide and, and up when needed. But with us, we're some we're a little bit more similar to how he, he worked at Middlesbrough where it's maybe a little bit more lopsided, you know, Hoyt being the more capable of, of pushing up. And I thought he looked better for doing so yesterday too. But one of the kind of mechanisms you'll see a lot uh, to kind of compensate the left-hand side, much like what we saw on the right-hand side, they're doing something to get the ball forward. And the left, when Hoyt was, Hoot sorry, was pushing up forward, Imran loses dropping off behind him kind of almost into that left-back position. And the reason that's so important, because when these, when these defenders are driving up, they're committing players. And that's kind of the real primary reason they're doing it, especially when we're kind of building an attack. They're committing players going forward. The two midfielders in Bakuna and Kone are also driving forward. If you're Imran loser picking up the ball in left-back position, yeah, you're in the left-back position, but you're also on the halfway line too because these guys are bombing up the pitch. So you're actually picking it up in quite a favourable favorable position. But the benefit is you've got tons of space because there aren't many strikers that are going to be occupying that space to pick them up if there are. And you've got options in uh, in, in Bakuna and Chowdhury to play to, but it does get loser on the ball as much as possible and he's our best ball player. So if you put Hamza Chowdhury in that position, you don't really want him receiving the ball there because we've, kind of, we've been through that. We've seen him, him be in that situation kind of between the centre-backs trying to find a pass forward and he can't really see one so he kind of gets recycled and we don't really get anywhere. But with him around loser, he can play you know, he can play that long diagonal ball, but he can also play with tempo into midfield and he can create things. So... For me, it's about getting him as much time and space in the world as possible and deploying him in that kind of, in inverted commas, quarterback kind of role. Uh, that's that's where he's best suited to in this particular uh, setup. You know, if, you, if you're Chris Wilder, you're looking for that player almost as the linchpin to to replicating your success you've had with this shape and this, this style of play. So he's a massively important player. I don't really see anyone else kind of going in that role and doing it. So if he's available, he, in my mind, takes up that deepest position. And then you put the the other midfielders ahead of him, whether it's Kone, Bakuna, or even Hamza Chowdhury. You know, doesn't, maybe not the most, as you say, progressive with the ball, but I'd rather have him kind of doing his job and, and being a, a ball winner back in there because loser can loser can, st- can still get forward, you know, as the game progresses. But when we're trying to build up and we're in, you know, in possession, in possession for the defence and so on that's where you want him to, to be but doesn't Hamza Chowdhury do his best work as that defensive midfielder doesn't he need to be just in front of the of the centre backs to sort of like mop up things and, and danger that is around him like isn't that his best sort of area to yeah. work in yeah but 
I guess the question is, what do you value more? I think Imran Lewis is more important to uh, to how the team plays and having the having the ball player, having the creator in that in that position, so they can play deeper and and be that kind of that tra- that that funnel for the ball. That's that's where you want him. Uh, Chowdhury offers something in defensive positions, but I don't think it's required as much. You know, I think if if you had to decide which player you're going to get more out, output from in the positive sense of the team, I'd say it's loser playing in that space. Also, too, remember we've got the back three now as well, so we have got three centre backs behind, mm-hmm. and if the wing backs are playing as expected, then they'll also be able to get that defensive shape in. So you've maybe got less need for somewhat of a destroyer like Chowdhury. And, you know, he can still do that job further up the pitch. It might not be as kind of last ditch. He might not spend as much time on the floor, but he he can still do a job in in a more advanced position. He's just not going to be, in my opinion, suited to to occupying the same role that Luzer did, which I think is, as I said, the most important to, to kind of replicate what we saw in that first half. You know, you go back and watch some of the highlights from last night and just look at his positioning and see kind of the spaces he's picking up these aren't the kind of areas you expect Hamza to receive the ball. And that's not a knock against Chad. They're just different sorts of players. But clearly, uh, it, it was effective last night. And there, as I said, there's other elements too. You know, we've had more time in the training ground and coaching it. But uh, that was much more like what we expected to see from, from a Chris Wilder team. And I think that change in midfield is a big a big aspect to that. Could you play Chowdhury alongside Loser and, and then have just one forward midfielder? You can, but you almost want that. You almost want that extra midfielder in the full, further forward position to occupy those. We're trying to create as much space for loser as possible. You think about that space around, just below the uh, the center center circle. You know, getting up on the ball there and having as much time. If you have another body in front of you, if you have him and Kone, for example, kind of pushing those deeper midfielders back for the opponents. Then we're creating space. If you've got the outside centre back pushing up, you know, if, if Hoots on the halfway line and Chowdhury and and Kone are pinning the midfielders and the strikers having to cover the full the outside centre back, and you know, you, you create this opportunity to, to get space. So, I would be I would tend to probably stray away from having someone deployed next to him, uh, and just kind of given the freedom. And you know, I think you've got more flexibility of doing that in the back three because you don't really have to be as concerned about that kind of open center of the pitch you can you can be a little bit more um spread out and that's one thing we saw again last night is the width we were able to maintain uh throughout the entirety of that first half especially we, we were wide throughout we weren't having to kind of shift with the ball which you saw quite a lot under edwards where the, the team's kind of compressing on one side and, and moving out to the other even in possession uh, but because we had that two midfielder kind of the kind of two midfielder base in front of loser we were able to keep that width through the centre of the pitch, but then you also gave the the fullbacks, the, the wingbacks, sorry, the licence to stay wide, regardless of what side of the ball the, the, uh, the pitch was on. Which, uh, sorry, what side of the pitch the ball was on, which gives you a lot of options in transition. But you can also switch the ball, and you can just you can really dominate teams. And when you're playing against a side like Birmingham, who they have defensive frailties, but they're going to be quite compact or try to be defensively you have to be able to spread spread them as much as possible because we've we've fallen into that trap so many times we just can't really unlock an opponent that sits back at Vicarage Road but if you can maintain that width you you kind of force them into taking some gambles and I think it paid off okay cool Tom talk to me about the centre-backs was this the first time that we saw Chris Wilder get a bit more Chris (laughs) Wildery with his (laughs) centre-backs yeah I think so I I certainly think that what are we going with hoots, aren't we? Um, yeah. It wasn't quite the overlapping that that we were told no. to expect, but there was there was something about it that seemed different. Well, I think it's you know a case of being sensible, isn't it, and saying, well, realistic. I don't know about Porteous, but realistically, you don't want Cathcart doing that. 
and you know he is obviously playing in the centre of those three. Who is the one I think out of the three of them that's most comfortable doing it anyway, and would probably do it a little bit in any circumstance. So given license to do it, did it a bit more, particularly at home against a team that in the first half were very very passive. You know, gave us a lot of space, didn't press us particularly high, um, and, and we had the opportunity. So yes, I think so. I, I don't think we're going to see it necessarily as a feature between now and, and the end of the season. I think it's a case of picking our our moments to do it, and I would be surprised if it's anyone else. I think Porteous probably could do it. He strikes me as someone that would be kind of happy striding out, but there's a there's a difference between that and really kind of driving forward and taking up a, a space that might otherwise be occupied by a midfielder so you know it's it's about adopting what we we can ad- afford to adopt and, and what we have the players for rather than you know forcing onto them something that they're not comfortable with but yes I think in short as a short answer it was probably the the first reasonable glimpse of it decent glimpse at it on the subject of Portis I felt like he had a sub average game yesterday I felt like he gave away quite a lot I don't know if you noticed that at all yeah, I thought he wasn't as competent in possession, maybe. He got asked a little bit more of him yesterday. I think he was kind of stuck in a little bit of a diff he played a little bit deeper behind Ngakia because he wasn't getting as forward at- he wasn't getting forward as much. And he didn't he tried to get the ball forward a few times. There's a, a couple of times he kind of clipped it down the line, just didn't really work out in possession. Not necessarily mm-hmm. costly giveaways, but No. Is that what you saw, Tom? I must admit, you you texted us that in our group, didn't you, Matt? And at that point I hadn't thought, oh, he's been particularly iffy for him so I'll be honest I haven't got a lot to add oh, that's fair that's fair I mean on, on the other side um, I was actually very impressed with Hoot and uh, I noticed like it was really evident how often he gets the ball he just looks straight up for that cross field pass doesn't he he really wants to play that it, ball yeah. he wants to I think it's almost a bit dangerous that he seems to want to play it so much that <laughs> he sort of prepares himself and then he's like Oh, actually, it's not on, and he has to kind of think about a second option. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He just seems to really yeah, it's want kind to of his play primary that thought, isn't it? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think it's it's something that comes across very quickly uh, when you're watching Hoot. I think if you're in the, if you're an opponent watching Watford, you know you can only just take one game of seeing how he plays, and as you say, it's his first kind of thought a lot of the time he's kind of looking over to that corner and taking that kind of longer stride, preparing to hit that ball across, which he's good at, to be fair to him. But mm. obviously. You know he's he's got he's going to have less opportunity to do that when he's being asked to get a little further at the pitch. And I commented on a unpopular Watford opinion tweet during the or after the game, which is you know I thought that my probably unpopular opinion is I think Hoot's better up better the further up the pitch you get him for us in some ways. Mm. You know what he what he can kind of maybe hurt you with in the box a little bit. He can be a bit stiff and so on. I think getting forward is actually pretty decent if you can create some space for him. He can he can carry the ball pretty well. He's quite a rangy guy. He moves you know fast enough, and once he's up there, his left foot's decent. You know, even he plays with um, kind of a little bit of risk in his game. He does play the ball inside. He's not afraid to take a few risks with the passes, but he, he plays it with a decent speed, and it, he finds his man fairly frequently. I actually didn't mind him there at all. I thought in in terms of the players we have available to play in those centre back positions, I think Hoot is really the best suited at the moment uh, when it comes to being one of the outside centre backs, especially Porteous. I think there's still opportunity for him uh, to do so, but I think we'd maybe see a little bit more of that when we maybe had Ferreira back in that in in that right right wing back position. Also, quick side note: How do you pronounce Porteous? Because I feel like it's not Porteous. 
Yeah, I mean, it's spelt in the way that we are pronouncing it, isn't it? Port- is it Portress or something? But I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of uh, Scottish like, like I saw a twang on it. Partius. I feel like I saw some people discuss this. Partius. It's like a rouge. Um, like I feel like I saw some discussion, but I need to, we need to find out. If you do know the answer to this question, please just you know, tweet at us or something, because I don't want to keep butchering the lad's name. We we mentioned it 20 times a podcast. So uh, that's just a quick side note. But yeah, no, I think um, it was interesting to see. And I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, from especially that first half, you know, we, we discussed the second half, but the first it actually looked like a wilder team. Um, and, and that's something which, you know, it's kind of strange. You, know, you have seven days of, of Chris Wilder being here. I'm not going to be the guy that says, you know, Chris Wilder's a second coming and he's changed everything. There's obviously a lot to be done still, but it does beg the question, you know, Slavon Bilic was here for six months and we never really felt like we saw a team with any sort of identity or structure or anything. But yesterday, after seven days of being here, you know, maybe four training sessions and, you could see something coming through on the pitch. I think that was quite impressive and, and definitely worth, uh, definitely a takeaway, which I think is worth noting. Mm. A massive difference from QPR though. I mean, I know he, he didn't have long to work with them ahead of that game, but how do you compare the difference between what we saw on Saturday and, and this game? I think you've got to give a lot of credit to the player staff too. I think they've had to take on a lot, and I'd imagine in the last few days, probably a lot of extra work that has to be taken place to to get those messages across. Because the first game against QPR, it really just looked like you know I play a three five two, go out there and, and good luck sort of thing, which I'm sure it wasn't that, but that's what it came across as. It was no, there was no structure, no cohesion. And then last night, you know, you could see that, that as I said, the players knew where they knew where they had to be knew where the players could be around them. You know, these are, these are some complicated, or relatively complicated uh, situations we're putting these players in. They have to be able to, to think for themselves and also anticipate and, and predict the, the movement around them too. You know, Loser and even Ngakia and Kone, these, these, these guys are doing things that they haven't been asked to do before. Uh, and they're also having to do it in unison and understand everyone else's roles within that. So, you know, I think it was, I, I think it was a, big, a big change. Is that probably, is that similar to, to your thoughts on that, Tom, or...? Yeah, big time. I thought, you know, the things that we've been crying out for this season, but particularly of late, it seemed as the performances under Bilic got worse and worse, kind of came to a, or or did a complete 180 yesterday, I suppose, really. Um, we were so much more quick and decisive in possession, you know, as I said before, with Ngakia and Kone and, and co., they really were just, you know, knocking the ball around. It was one touch stuff, no, no hesitation. You know, we were so direct against QPR, I thought. Um, but that was that was entirely different last night. And I, I, I just thought it was, yeah, it was a world apart. The other thing I was going to say was, I thought we got really wide and tried to, you know, really stretch them, switch the play at times as well. Um, pressed them quite aggressively, I thought, in the first half at times. And I think that possibly was something that we didn't maintain throughout and, and probably had a bearing on the, the, the way they were able to get back into the game a little bit or, or certainly have some chances after the break, maybe getting back into the games a bit um, a bit grand. The, the kind of, the, I looked at the stats, some of the stats, the kind of difference between the Birmingham performance and, and the QPR performance. We had... 11 shots against Birmingham to six against QPR, five on target to two. Our XG was 1.76 versus 0.86. We actually only had three more touches in the box against Birmingham than we did against QPR. But then it's in the passing that I think there's some interesting kind of 
things, particularly the number of passes per possession. So possession, you know, being the start of holding the ball to the point that we lost it. Against QPR, it was 2.69 passes per possession on average. Against Birmingham, it was 4.09. Not an enormous mm. difference, whatever that is, 1.3 difference, but... I think that was evident in, in... I'm actually surprised it wasn't more because the amount of times we you know we pinged the ball forward against QPR and it bounced off someone or we held on to it and then immediately lost it versus some of the spells we had. You know, it wasn't like we were holding on to the ball for five minutes at a time, but, you know, there were nice little pass and move sequences against Birmingham. So I thought that was, that was quite interesting. Fewer long passes attempted and completed, unsurprisingly. Uh, and, and the rest of it actually wasn't that different in terms of kind of like number of final third and forward passes were actually very, very similar. But I thought that passes per possession probably backed up the what I felt like I saw on the night quite um, uh, as a difference versus QPR quite nicely. One thing one thing as well, which I think we, we discussed, I said we did some of your podcasts and try to remember which one we discussed it in. It's either the <laughs> last one or the one before, but uh, we talked about Jao Pedro and his role in the team and, and what mm. we'd be looking at to, to kind of get more out of him and also just to help the team. And I, I know we definitely discussed the the idea of him uh, him playing in that in that two up front, uh, just because obviously a you know you get that balance in midfield which we discussed. We, we kind of discussed the pros of it and how it panned out last night, but also you know the way that he's able to to occupy more forward positions. I think it really helped to balance the team even even more so and it gave us that, that flexibility which we really needed. It gave him the added responsibility of being in forward areas. He got a little bit more involved around the edge of the box because, you know, when he's the guy carrying the ball, most of the time he's having to, to, to lay it off and, and pass it out when he gets around the box. But this time he's able to get on it a little bit more and I think it, it just gave us a little bit a little more structure rather than just allowing or, or relying on Jao Pedro to drop deep and he be the only one to get the ball forward as good as he is at doing it. Um, it was kind of a question as to who who would partner him, but I think it worked for him and I think also we saw, you know, you know might be some coincidence, but I, I don't think it was entirely that, but we saw an improvement from, from Keenan Davis last night too. Mm. Uh, I think much of it has to do with, uh, again, the structure that was created, but uh, just having a different way of getting the ball forward and allowing us to create some different patterns. Is that... Is that in line? Is that what you guys felt as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I would also add that um, the goal from Davis, um, yeah, it was very impressive, wasn't it? It's exactly the sort of thing that we need to see more of. You know, this wasn't you know a, a, a tap in from a couple of yards out. He really worked hard, um, and then got a, a fantastic angled finish that um, you know flew past Ruddy, who I don't think. To be honest, had the best game, but I mean, not many goalkeepers are stopping that. It was a, it was a very, very tidy shot. Yeah, I thought he was good. I thought he looked like obviously, you know, you view it through the prism of knowing that he scored and he scored a, a, a rocket. But I, I thought he was really good. You know, and, and also to say about that goal, just quickly, Max, it was a, a wonderful finish. You know, that was not the finish of someone who was short of confidence. So I don't know what Chris Wilder said to him or, or whatever, but. That was sort of totally belied his recent performances. But no, I thought he was good. I thought we saw the kind of best of what he does yesterday. It was him that played the pass out to Ken, wasn't it? That dropped off and played the pass out to Ken Semmer, uh, who fizzed it in for loser. I thought he was involved in a few kind of moments like that. Still looked knackered from about the hour onwards. And I was kind of surprised we didn't see that sub sooner, given that the game felt pretty secure. 
Um, but yeah, no, I thought I thought he was good. Sixteen games without a goal, or sixteen appearances, I should say, without a goal. Yeah. Prior to yesterday, I must admit, until the kind of noise recently, I hadn't realised it had been that long. Yeah, I think it, it must have been the Luton game, wasn't it? He scored. It was. um, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think someone said on another pod that he chooses his games to score quite well, doesn't he? Given that he's a well, Aston he Villa like, he player, likes so. against Birmingham. yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's some some issues with their fans in the in the game that he played for Forest last year in, in Birmingham, and he scored in that one too. So that was, yeah, I think it definitely probably gives him a little bit of an extra extra bite to his game, which isn't doesn't hurt. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's good to see him because I think when we looked at the lineup, there's a few of us that were maybe thinking, oh, you know, is Davis going to start again? But you know, the way we play, there is there is the option always in this wilder team that we may go direct at times. Hopefully, not anywhere near as much as we did against QPR, but they like to have the the opportunity, the option to. So Davis, I think, is a bit of a he's kind of a nailed on starter. I think for a while, it's going to make it difficult for for Arouche to get in, and obviously Aston Belinga will probably touch on the second too, but. Um, yeah, it was good to see him up in that performance level, and I think he benefited from having Jao a little further up. Not just because of of Jao being able to play into him more, but also with us not starting from so deep at times and and getting a little bit more kind of horizontal in terms of our ball to him, rather than just kind of carrying forward. And oftentimes he's receiving the ball from Jao running at full speed, and Keenan Davis got his back to goal. I think giving him a few different areas to play in and and kind of link up from a, a different a different angle or you know, different spots on the pitch was was beneficial. So really positive to see, and I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully him, you know, kind of continuing with a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of confidence and, and maybe some goal-scoring form as well. Mm. I thought Chris Wilder, or uh, Gene, as my dad likes to call him, um, had really good use of substitutions as well in this game. What did you make of that one, Tom? Yeah, I think that, broadly speaking, right changes at the at the right time. I, I think I would have probably taken Pedro off sooner, but not by much. He looked, you know, he looked like he was struggling before then. I think he'd taken a, a whack or something. He wasn't moving very comfortably. And, and even before that, he had that tape, which, you know, not necessarily means you're carrying an injury, but just need a bit of extra security. I think we talked about this. I think Jordan talked about this in quite a bit of depth before. But he had that tape all up the back of both his hamstrings, didn't he? But <laughs> This ham- hamstring precaution, from given what we've seen this season. Well, exactly. They should all be going out covered in the stuff, really, shouldn't they? Um, and yeah, I think I think Davis needed to come off as well. He was on a yellow, wasn't he? And and, and looked tired. And I would have liked to have seen a bit more of a spreer. I think as we all would at times. But no, I think I think so far the um, the kind of in-game management side of things. It's, it's obviously early days, but it feels like a, an improvement on Bill Hitch already, which is probably not saying much. I was surprised, uh, Tom, that. Um he decided to put some Belonga on instead of a Rouge. I would have naturally gone with a Rouge myself because he's the guy that's in, you know, he's got the fitness and I felt like that was the perfect game for him to, to, you know, get a goal and, and, and sort of become more comfortable because, you know, Watford were on top. Yeah, and, I don't but know. You, I, I you, you like don't agree. Well, only insofar as it's fairly basic rationale, but I feel like at that point, you know, Birmingham would, throwing a bit at us and whatnot and the game was becoming perhaps a little bit more stretched in a sense you you I feel like I'd have wanted that physical presence up there that Sombolonga offers to kind of be that out ball and, and so on um he kind of does that and Arouge as we know doesn't it feels a bit kind of harsh on him but you do wonder where those opportunities are going to come from and I also think I try and you know I look back to that Sheffield United team 
and even other teams that Chris Wilder's managed, his strikers are usually quite, you know, tough physical types, aren't they? You know, that pairing of McGoldrick and Sharp at Sheffield United, McGoldrick's good. I mean, McGoldrick's probably not dissimilar to Keenan Davis in a sense. I always think of him as someone that kind of isn't a particularly prolific striker, but can do the other side of the, play, the things well. Billy Sharp, although he's not, you know, six foot five, uh, land of the Giants, he's robust and big. Kind of uses his presence well and uses his body well, and, and so on and so forth. And you know, look back at his. I'm pretty sure at Oxford he had um, um, what's his face, Collins and Constable and people like that. You know, physical strikers. And I, I just think I'd be surprised if a Rouge was necessarily his cup of tea, personally. Do you think he's not going to get much game time now? I'd be surprised if he starts many games. As long as the other guys remain fit, then, yeah, I'd be surprised. Oh, Benfica will be unhappy. <laughs> Sodom, though, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not getting a lot of sympathy from us. If we get in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. But uh, I wonder if he came with some kind of clause that... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. That you had to play a certain amount of minutes, that that's, but maybe not, in which case, uh, excellent. Let's move, let's move on. Um, yeah. Right, okay, then... Uh, how, who have we not spoke about yet? Uh, let, let's go. Let's go back to Asamba Longa because he got his first goal after um, ten years of waiting for it. Or not that he's been at the club for the whole time, but uh, it's it was nice that um, that he managed to score. And hopefully he can he can take that and, and move forward with it, and you know score some that aren't coming off the the belly. 
that's perfect it's very it's just the, the only way you wanted to score it off the gut was the, <laughs> the ideal situation so it was, yeah it was it was good and I think you know that it was good for him and it was, it was a really good move in general by the team too so it was it was, it was satisfying especially when it was a, an, asp- an area of the game or a part of the game where it felt like you know Birmingham got back into it somewhat so it, it was positive and you know it's ple- pleasing to see that he, he has the opportunity and yeah, you can't do much else than uh, than get on the score sheet. I think we're all pretty pretty pleased with that performance, and uh, as much as we can be. We've spoken so far as though this was a walkover, and it certainly wasn't. Um, there was a couple of chances that Birmingham City had that, had they taken, it would have been a lot closer. This one, um, two for certain in the first half. I think it was that uh, they they really should have, um, you know, I think gone in level with us. Really, shouldn't they? Yeah, Scott Hogan missed a few chances, didn't yeah. he? Um, and there was, there was, was another one from Trusty as yeah, well. Was, yeah, and and also I think you know as as the half drew drew on, uh, the second half kind of went on. You saw that really started to lose control of the right hand side, and and Graham kind of was all over in Gakia, and he was struggling. And we we made the change quite quickly, and we did we did make the change with it with uh, Gaspar coming on, and it did it did get better. I think Ngakia looked tired, and to be fair, he hasn't played in a while. This was, you know, he was straight back in the team after quite a long absence, so it's understandable. But again, isn't it? another another pointing towards the the positive changes we made, or at least the sensible changes we made from the sideline, which is good to see. But yeah, Birmingham they were a threat in the second half, and we we rode our luck a little bit. If it's some better finishing, and it could have been, it easily could have been equalised, and it, a much more difficult prospect for us to come away with three points. So. Yeah, but you know that happens too. So we we'll, we certainly won't complain too much. Birmingham, a team sitting just above the relegation zone, so they've not had a good period the whole season, really. But um, they are more or less comfortable in terms of threat of relegation. Watford now go up against the team that really has got that threat in Wigan. Um, you'd think that they'll be a tougher test than than Birmingham were. Yes and no. They're a they're not a good team, are they? Um... Wigan objectively they are obviously struggling they are in uh, in a, very much in a relegation battle and not helped by the fact that Blackpool obviously got a resounding win over QPR which makes me wonder what the bloody hell happened to us at QPR <laughs> at the weekend yeah um, but you know they're, they're a team that aren't used to winning at the end of the day they've only won seven times all season I think they've conceded the most goals in the division um, got a pretty Kind of low XG score as well in terms of goals for, so we should be go- we should going there. We've been there. We should be beating them, particularly at home. And I think you know I would I would be saying right, same team, same kind of mentality, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but let's do it for more than forty five minutes today. Let's really really put these to bed. You know we're not a particularly high scoring team ourselves for that matter. So let's get some bloody goals, build that goal difference and and build up a bit of momentum ahead of the looting game because um, you know, all eyes will be on that equally. Let's not um, show them a lack of respect and, and be kind of looking ahead to the looting game too much. We've got to beat what's in front of us. We've still got nine chances so let's um, let, let's, yeah, kind of take the good from the, the win over Birmingham and, and, and try and build on it. Given the the positive result that we had, and and I appreciate you've just basically said, uh, you've always taken the words from my mouth there, Tom. You want to play the same team again, but I'm going to throw a curveball in there. If Ishmael Assar is fit, does he come back into the team or does he stay on the sidelines? I'd leave him on the bench and 
um, you know, not to teach him a lesson or anything like that, but they, they played well. He missed out through no fault of his own. Um, ideal world, you go 2-3-0 up and bring him on at a point when they're chasing the game and, and use his kind of pace on the break um, to, to try and enhance that lead and, and, you know, maybe build his confidence a little bit by getting a goal or, or getting some chances and, and whatnot and running at defenders when they're struggling. But it's all kind of equally... You've got someone that can hopefully break down a t- you know, help you break down a team if it isn't going to plan either. So yeah, I, I would say you start them on the bench, but not as any kind of punishment. It's um, purely a reflection of the, that first half display on on Tuesday night. Jordan, you wasn't one hundred percent confident with Ngakia. Do you think that Saar could play that role? I don't know. I, th- I think you know with with Ferreira getting close to fitness again, I think he's the more likely option, but. You know, I think we did discuss it briefly. With Saar could play there, but I'm not sure you'd. I think you'd be sacrificing something in some ways. I don't think you can maybe get the, the the discipline. Even though Saar can offer defensively, I'm just not sure he's equipped for it. I think that's kind of why we would see him in that in that striker position. It's going to be tough for him to get back in the team in some ways, unless we unless Wilder sees him as such a valuable asset to the first team that we we make changes tactically to incorporate him. Um, so it's tough to say, but you know, for me, I think Ferreira's when you look at. I wouldn't make any changes for the next game if I was. Then, if I was to, then it'd probably be you know a little bit harsh, but it would it would be Ferreira for Ngakia. But well, it remains to be seen. I I just think that it's hard to take out anyone from that that eleven because that that half that first half was probably the best half we've seen this season of football. So. You know, we have to try and replicate it, and you know there'll be some similarities between between Wigan and and Birmingham. So, if we can kind of keep the ball rolling as much as we can, then I would be inclined to to kind of go in that direction personally. Do you see Saar playing as a striker then this season, and likely being a substitute impact sub? Yeah, it's tough because you know if it, I don't know how you really take. For me, I think Pedro. I think that three in midfield is the, was the most crucial change to the the, the, the entire thing when it, when it came to the performance. Now you can make adjustments. We can still compete and play well and perform in, in a different shape. But I think it's it's kind of Sar and it feels like if you're going to get into that team in the same setup, it's Sar and Pedro competing for the same spot. You can't need Davis there. Um, I, I doubt we'd play Sar and Pedro together. So it's I would imagine so, but you know again it really just depends on how much Wilder sees him as as a difference maker. If you can get him in the team, if it's worth kind of changing the the formula to incorporate him or not. Okay, cool. Um, any other business before we wrap this one up? I see that Adrian Blake has been uh, tipped with a move away. Uh, he's, apparently, his contract comes to an end uh, at the end of this season, and. Uh, it's typical Watford. We've got a talented player there that uh, might no longer be there. Yeah. Yeah. I, actually, one other thing I did see too, they had a draw on Hive Live, they had at half time some interview where it was like, it was Jao Pedro and, and Martins talking to each other in some Brazilian restaurant. They were asking each other questions, but um, Pedro was talking to, uh, was asking kind of about his, Martins settling here and how he's felt the kind of differences and so on. I thought it was interesting, which they might, he might just be kind of talking. Uh, I was a bit and not really understanding the contractual situation of Martins, but he was Pedro was talking about how Gomez was the guy to kind of you know put his arm around him and basically get him comfortable in England. And he was saying to Martins how he tried to do it for him. He said, hopefully, you know, in a few years you'll be able to do it for other Brazilian players that come over, which I thought was interesting wording, seeing that Martins is on loan. 
Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That conversation. It's just a. It's just an interesting little aspect. I thought because generally, you'd, you know, if you if, if you're there on loan, most players would know it. But with the way we operate, it's entirely possible so that he's technically shady, here on loan with the intention of of staying longer. Well, look at Ken Simmons signed a five-year contract That's extension in twenty twenty-one or twenty twenty-two. I don't bother announcing yeah. it. So, yeah, wouldn't surprise. You me. Never really know. But yeah, I think there was also it was, that it was, kind of um, thing, wasn't there, over whether he was coming in the first place? On initially, it was not even said, was it? But it was kind of assumed he was permanent, and then it was made clear it was alone. So, okay then. Well. Well, that's it for the uh, this episode of uh, the Watford Buzz podcast. I hope you've enjoyed. Um, just one last thing. Uh, we do have a review that we've had in. This one came in uh, not too long ago, 8th of March from VKM's underscore grapefruits. Uh, interesting name. I'd love to know what that's all about. Please tell us what that's about. Uh, it says the best Watford FC podcast there is. This podcast is the best source of Watford FC analysis. The guys present a balanced view of what happens on and off the field at the club, which is refreshing as all too often fans of any club can be overly negative. In brackets, sometimes this is necessary, though. Uh, Each presenter makes well-informed points in an entertaining way. I always listen to this podcast ahead of others as soon as it's available. Keep up the good work and let's all hope for a finish to the 2020 to 2023 season that we can be proud of. Thanks, Mum. That. <laughs> that was an excellent response. That's a, that is a glowing review. You couldn't have asked for better. Yeah, that was a great paid review. for it. So thank you very much. We appreciate anyone who listens, but that is a particularly, particularly um, favourable review. So thank you very much. Thank you very much to yeah, VKM's Grapefruits. And uh, if you would like to be like VKM and uh, get a review in, all you have to do is go to uh, just Google, type in iTunes, type in uh, Watford Buzz podcast, and then go down to the bottom and uh, there's an option there to give us a rating out of five and leave a little comment. And if you leave a comment, we will read it out on the show. It's always easy to forget that people actually listen to the things we say on our podcast. <laughs> and... I know, I know. But yeah, it's nice to it, it's nice to hear that, that you're enjoying it. And ultimately that's what we do it we do it for so yeah did you know there is a uh, there's a chart of podcasts and we often rate quite high on the uh the different sections that we're in the uh soccer um podcasts and then there's ones of uh great britain and ireland and all all, all the countries we'll take it we have to do quite well in south africa believe it or not i don't i don't if you're listening from south africa um perhaps it's all because of you so thank you um (laughs) and thank you to everyone who listens no matter where you are um i understand we get some listeners from canada as well jordan probably because of yourself yeah it must be the 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 watford buzz bumper stickers i drive around with to make sure i'm spreading it as much as possible i'm sure it's it's a little bit niche but you never know we should make those, shouldn't I? Uh, it'd be uh, the the do not scratch your eyes guys. They've got like uh, badges, haven't they? We should we should we should get on the Nobby Act and start giving out some merch of some description. Yeah, yeah that's it. Well, thanks again uh, for for listening uh, from wherever you've been listening, um, and uh, you can follow us at the usual ways at Watford Pod on Twitter, uh, and then you can also follow us individually at Jordan Weimer at Messi Messiano at TB Bedell. Uh, we'll be back after the Wigan game to hopefully talk about another three points uh, and we'll need it because currently uh, Watford uh, have dropped down another place uh, Sunderland 
uh, are currently beating Sheffield United. Um, and uh, that would be very unfortunate if that ended up that way, because that would be even harder for Watford to, to, to get into the playoffs. But I'm sure they can do it. And um, uh, I'm fully behind them, although it will take probably eight victories of the nine games left, Tom. Probably, yeah. I've, yeah. I've never won for these maths things. Yeah, well, I mean, other teams have to keep winning as well. Um, but we'll see how we go. But anyway, at least we've got a bit more excitement back in our life um, and something to look forward to. And uh, I'm sure you and I will be there at the Vic to see Watford hopefully pick up another three points. Right, from myself, Matt Messiano, from Tom and from Jordan, we've been the Watford Buzz and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. See you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.